0: Chapter 19 of My First Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. My First Book by Various. Californian Verse by Bret Hart. When I say that my first book was not my own, and contained beyond the title page not one word of my own composition, i trust that i shall not be accused of trifling with paradox or tardily unbosoming myself of youthful plagiary but the fact remains that in priority of publication the first book for which i became responsible and which probably provoked more criticism than anything i have written since was a small compilation of californian poems indicted by other hands A well-known bookseller of San Francisco one day handed me a collection of certain poems, which had already appeared in Pacific Coast magazines and newspapers, with the request that I should, if possible, secure further additions to them, and then make a selection of those which I considered the most notable and characteristic for a single volume to be issued by him. I have reason to believe that this unfortunate man was actuated by a laudable desire to publish a pretty Californian book, his first essay in publication, and at the same time to foster eastern immigration by an exhibit of the Californian literary product. But, looking back upon his venture, I am inclined to think that the little volume never contained anything more poetically pathetic or touchingly imaginative than that gentle conception. Equally simple and trustful was his selection of myself as compiler, IT WAS BASED SOMEWHAT, I THINK, UPON THE FACT THAT THE ARTLESS Helicon I boasted WAS YOUTH, BUT I IMAGINE IT WAS CHIEFLY OWING TO THE CIRCUMSTANCE THAT I HAD FROM THE OUTSET, WITH PRECOCIOUS FORESIGHT, CONFIDED TO HIM MY INTENTION OF NOT PUTTING ANY OF MY OWN VERSES IN THE VOLUME. PUBLISHERS ARE APPRECIATIVE, AND A SELF-ABNEGATION SO SUBLIME TO SAY NOTHING OF ITS SECURITY WAS NOT WITHOUT ITS EFFECT we settled to work with fatuous self-complacency and no suspicion of the trouble in store for us or the storm that was to presently hurtle around our devoted heads i winnowed the poems and he exploited a preliminary announcement to an eager and waiting press and we moved together unwittingly to our doom i remember to have been early struck with the quantity of material coming in evidently the result of some popular misunderstanding of the announcement i found myself in daily and hourly receipt of sere and yellow fragments originally torn from some dead-and-gone newspaper creased and seamed from long folding in wallet or pocketbook need i say that most of them were of an emotional or didactic nature need i add any criticism of these homely souvenirs often discoloured by the morning coffee the evening tobacco or heaven knows perhaps blotted by too easy tears enough that i knew now what had become of those original but never recopied verses which filled the poet's corner of every country newspaper on the coast i knew now the genesis of every didactic verse that coldly furnished forth the marriage-table in the announcement of weddings in the rural press i knew now who had read and possibly indicted the dreary heek of the dead in their morning columns i knew now why certain letters of the alphabet had been more tenderly considered than others and affectionately addressed i knew the meaning of the lines to her who can best understand them and i knew that they had been understood the morning's post buried my table beneath these withered leaves of posthumous passion they lay there like the pathetic nosegays of quickly-fading wild flowers, gathered by school-children inconsistently abandoned upon roadsides or as inconsistently treasured as limp and flabby superstitions in their desks the chill wind from the bay blowing in at my window seemed to rustle them into sad articulate appeal I remember that when one of them was whisked from the window by a stronger gust than usual, and was attaining a circulation it had never known before, I ran a block or two to recover it. I was young then, and in an exalted sense of editorial responsibility which I have since survived, I think I turned pale at the thought that the reputation of some unknown genius might have thus been swept out and swallowed by the all-absorbing sea.' there were other difficulties arising from this unexpected wealth of material there were dozens of poems on the same subject the golden gate mount shasta the yosemite were especially provocative a beautiful bird known as the californian canary appeared to have been shot at and winged by every poet from portland to san diego lines to the mariposa flower were as thick as the lovely blossoms themselves in the merced valley and the madrone tree was as berimed as rosalind again by the liberal construction of the publisher's announcement manuscript poems which had never known print began to coyly unfold their virgin blossoms in the morning's mail they were accompanied by a few lines stating casually that their sender had found them lying forgotten in his desk or mendaciously that they were thrown off in the spur of the moment a few hours before some of the names appended to them astonished me grave practical businessmen sage financiers fierce speculators and plodding traders never before suspected of poetry or even correct prose were among the contributors It seemed as if most of the able-bodied inhabitants of the Pacific coast had been in the habit at some time of expressing themselves in verse. Some sought confidential interviews with the editor. The climax was reached when, in Montgomery Street one day, I was approached by a well-known and venerable judicial magnate after some serious preliminary conversation the old gentleman finally alluded to what he was pleased to call a task of great delicacy and responsibility laid upon my young shoulders in fact he went on paternally adding the weight of his judicial hand to that burden i have thought of speaking to you about it in my leisure moments on the bench i have from time to time polished and perfected a certain college poem begun years ago but which may now be said to have been finished in california and thus embraced in the scope of your proposed selection if a few extracts selected by myself, to save you all the trouble and responsibility, be of any benefit to you, my dear young friend, consider them at your service. In this fashion the contributions had increased to three times the bulk of the original collection, and the difficulties of selection were augmented in proportion. The editor and publisher eyed each other aghast. "'Never thought there were so many of the blamed things alive,' said the latter with great simplicity." "'Had you?' "'The editor had not. "'Could you sort of shake em up and condense em, you know? "'Keep their ideas and their names separate "'so that they'd have proper credit, see?' "'The editor pointed out that this would infringe the rule he had laid down. "'I see,' said the publisher thoughtfully. "'Well, couldn't you pare em down? "'Give the first person tire and sort or sample the others?' "'The editor thought not.' There was clearly nothing to do but to make a more rigid selection, a difficult performance when the material was uniformly on a certain dead level, which it is not necessary to define here. Among the rejections were, of course, the usual plagiarisms from well-known authors imposed upon an inexperienced country press several admirable pieces detected as acrostics of patent medicines, and certain veiled libels and indecencies such as mark the first publications on blank walls and fences of the average youth. Still the bulk remained too large, and the youthful editor set to work reducing it still more with sympathizing concern which the good-natured but unliterary publisher failed to understand, and which, alas, PROVED TO BE EQUALLY UNAPPRECIATED BY THE REJECTED CONTRIBUTORS. THE BOOK APPEARED A PRETTY LITTLE VOLUME TYPOGRAPHICALLY AND EXTERNALLY A CREDIT TO PIONEER BOOKMAKING. COPIES WERE LIBERALLY SUPPLIED TO THE PRESS, AND AUTHORS AND PUBLISHERS SELF-COMPLACENTLY awaited THE RESULT. TO THE LATTER THIS SHOULD HAVE BEEN SATISFACTORY. The book sold readily from his well-known counters to purchasers who seemed to be drawn by a singular curiosity, unaccompanied, however, by any critical comment. People would lounge into the shop, turn over the leaves of the volumes, say carelessly, Got a new book of California poetry out, haven't you? Purchase it and quietly depart. There was yet no notices from the press. The big dailies were silent. There was something ominous in this calm out of it the bolt fell a well-known mining weekly which i hear poetically veil under the title of red dog jay hawk was first to swoop down upon the tuneful and unsuspecting quarry at this century end of fastidious and complacent criticism it may be interesting to recall the direct style of the californian sixties the hogwash and perp stuff ladled out from the slop bucket of messieurs and company of frisco by some lop-eared eastern apprentice and called a compilation of californian verse might be passed over so far as criticism goes a club in the hands of any able-bodied citizen of red dog and a steamboat ticket to the bay cheerfully contributed from this office would be all sufficient but when an imported greenhorn dares to call his flapdoodle mixture californian It is an insult to the state that has produced the gifted Yellow Hammer, whose lofty flights have from time to time dazzled our readers in the columns of the Jayhawk. That this complacent editorial jackass, browsing among the dock and thistles which he has served up in this volume, should make no allusion to California's great bard, is rather a confession of his idiocy than a slur upon the genius of our esteemed contributor i turned hurriedly to my pile of rejected contributions the nom de plume of yellow hammer did not appear among them certainly i had never heard of its existence later when a friend showed me one of that gifted bard's pieces i was inwardly relieved it was so like the majority of the other verses in and out of the volume that the mysterious poet might have written under a hundred aliases but the Dutch flat clarion, following, with no uncertain sound, left me time for consideration. "'We doubt,' said that journal, "'if a more feeble collection of drivel could have been made, even if taken exclusively from the editor's own verses, which we note he has, by an equal editorial incompetency, left out of the volume.' When we add that, by a felicity of idiotic selection, this person has chosen only one and the least characteristic of the really clever poems of Adoniram Skaggs, which have so often graced these columns, we have said enough to satisfy our readers. The Mormon Hill Quartz Crusher relieved this simple directness with more fancy. We don't know why, Messrs. blank, and company, send us under the title of selections of californian poetry a quantity of slum gullion which really belongs to the sluices of a placer mining camp or the ditches of the rural districts we have sometimes been compelled to run a lot of tailings through our stamps but never of the grade of the samples offered which we should say would average about thirty three and a third cents per ton we have however come across a single specimen of pure gold evidently overlooked by the serene ass who has compiled this volume we copy it with pleasure as it has already shown in the poet's corner of the crusher as the gifted effusion of the talented manager of the excelsior mill otherwise known to our delighted readers as outcrop the green springs arcadian was no less fanciful in imagery Messieurs and company sent us a gaudy green and yellow parrot-colored volume which is supposed to contain the first callow cheepings and peepings of californian songsters from the flavor of the specimens before us we should say that the nest had been disturbed prematurely There seems to be a good deal of the parrot inside as well as outside the covers, and we congratulate our own sweet singer, Bluebird, who has so often made these columns melodious that she has escaped the ignominy of being exhibited in Monsieur's and Company's aviary. I should add that this simile of the aviary and its occupants was ominous, for my tuneful choir was relentlessly slaughtered, the bottom of the cage was strewn with feathers, the big dailies collected the criticisms and published them in their own columns with the grim irony of exaggerated headlines the book sold tremendously on account of this abuse but i am afraid that the public was disappointed the fun and interest lay in the criticisms and not in any pointedly ludicrous quality in the rather commonplace collection and i fear i cannot claim for it even that merit and it will be observed that the animus of the criticism appeared to be the omission rather than the retention of certain writers but this brings me to the most extraordinary feature of the singular demonstration i do not think that the publishers were at all troubled by it i cannot conscientiously say that i was i have every reason to believe that the poets themselves in and out of volume were not displeased at the notoriety they had not expected and i have long since been convinced that my most remorseless critics were not in earnest but were obeying some sudden impulse started by the first attacking journal the extravagance of the red dog jayhawk was emulated by others it was a large contagious joke passed from journal to journal in a peculiar cyclonic western fashion and there still lingers, not unpleasantly in my memory, the conclusion of a cheerfully scathing review of the book, which may make my meaning clearer. If we have said anything in this article which might cause a single pang to the poetically sensitive nature of the youthful individual calling himself Mr. Francis Brett Hart, but who we believe occasionally parts his name and his hair in the middle, we will feel that we have not labored in vain. And we are ready to sing "Non DIMITIS and hand in our checks. We have no doubt of the absolutely pellucid and lacteal purity of Frankie's intentions. He means well to the Pacific coast, and we return the compliment. He has strayed away from his parents and guardians while he was too fresh. He will not keep without a little salt. It was thirty years ago the book and its rabelaisian criticisms have been long since forgotten alas i fear that even the capacity for that gargantuan laughter which met them in those days exists no longer the names i have used are necessarily fictitious but where i have been obliged to quote the criticisms from memory i have i believe only softened their asperity i do not know that this story has any moral The criticisms here recorded never hurt a reputation nor repressed a single honest aspiration. A few contributors to the volume, who were of original merit, have made their mark independently of it or its critics. The editor, who was for two months the most abused man on the Pacific Slope, within the year became the editor of its first successful magazine. Even the publisher prospered and died respected. End of chapter 19